Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another thrilling and exciting episode of Views on View. I am Steve Edwards, the host with the face for radio and the voice for being a mind, but I'm still your host. Today with me on the panel, we have a very special returning guest host. Say hello to Eric Hanchet. How you doing, Eric? Hey, hey, everybody. What's up? All right. So for those of you going back in the Views on View history, Eric was one of the first panelists. Were you original panelists? I certainly was. Yep. Yes, he was. And now... Back then, he was doing Angular full-time, if I remember correctly, and doing a view podcast and view videos. But now he gets to do view full-time at AWS, right? Yep, yeah. Do tons of uh, view, React, Angular. Get to kind of touch them all on the AWS Amplify team. So Right, and we've had Eric on to talk specifically about what he does at AWS. I'll drop a link in the show notes to the past episode. So yeah, it's always good to have Eric back. And as our very special guest today, we have from the Beautify world, John Leader, the god of Beautify. How you doing, John? Good, how you doing? Thank you for having me on. Good, it's our our privilege. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood. I've been talking to a whole bunch of people that want to update their resume and find a better job. And I figure, well, why not just share my resume? So you, if you go to topendevs.com slash resume, enter your name and email address, then you'll get a copy of the resume that I use, that I've used through freelancing, through m most of my career, as I've kind of refined it and tweaked it to get me the jobs that I want. Uh, like I said, topendevs.com slash resume will get you that. And uh, you can just kind of use the formatting. It comes in Word and Pages formats, and you can just fill it in from there. We are here to talk about Beautify 3.0. Before we get get started, John, why don't you just give us a little background as to who you are, why you're famous. Actually, we know why you're famous <laughs> and so on. Just a little background before we dive into Beautify. Sure. I don't know about the famous part, though. <laughs> I started uh, development or started uh, learning developing in 2013, 2016, came up with uh, Beautify happened to get very popular. And 2017, I quit my job to work full-time in Beautify. And here we are in 2022, and I'm still not homeless. So I'd say not too bad. Yes, that's always a good indicator of how what you're doing, <laughs> that you still have a home. <laughs> yeah. And just as a little background, we have a couple of other episodes with John in the past where he's gone into great detail on Beautify and how it got started and what it's based on. So we will drop links in the show notes if you want to listen to those for some, some more background. So let's talk Beautify 3.0. Now, obviously, how long has View 3.0 been out? About a year now? I'm trying to remember when it first came out. I mean, it's been a minute, Yeah, at least a, a year or more. Yeah, right. It feels and, like a couple of years. Does it? And with, you know, with any framework, with any tool, whether you want to talk Drupal, WordPress, anytime you have a, a main core upgrade, one of the hardest things to catch up on is all the, what's the term I'm looking for? The um, environment, everything around it, all the stuff, all the other things that depend on view. Ecosystem. 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 Thank you very much. <laughs> I knew it started with an E, I think. The ecosystem, waiting for the ecosystem to catch up. So in this case, you've got view core. Now you've got other tools like... Uh, frameworks that are dependent upon it, such as Beautify. Mm -hmm. And so it's taken a while. And with the change from Vue 2 to Vue 3 being such a large update, it took a while. For, takes a while for things to catch up. You know, that's just the nature of the game. And so if you followed Beautify 3.0, you know, there's always been the demand. Where is it? Where is it? Come on, come on, faster, faster. Where is it? I'm sure you see that <laughs> quite mm -hmm. a bit. So we're here to talk about that and both what was involved in the process 
and maybe any new things, improvements, enhancements, new stuff in the 3.0 version of Beautify. So to start out, I'd be curious to hear about what was the process like? You know, once when did you start on the 3.0? Was it like when everything was still bleeding edge in in um, in the repo and they were still working on it? Did you wait till it was all done? Uh, how did that work? Well, we started prototyping at the end of 2020. Not 2020, 2019, because I believe at the end of uh, 2019 is when the View Alpha came out. And but that's also a few months before COVID went off. And so we had maybe three to four months of kind of prototyping in for that version. And it wasn't until probably about the middle of, man, I try to get my year straight here because it's been a minute. So 2020, about mid mid 2020, we got to a point to where we had a few options to either kind of create a stopgap release of like a amalgamation of Beautify 2.6 and version 3 and the potential foot guns of releasing software that we're going to have to potentially maintain that is not going to be a complete upgrade or to push back and continue converting everything because the entire framework had to be converted basically to render, uh, not render functions, but composition functions. So, you know, that was probably one of the the biggest things that, that, increased the amount of time that we had to put in because Beautify is just big. There's just a lot of code. And yeah, so I think it wasn't until maybe about a year ago, whenever we were able to introduce JSX into our process, well, TSX, that we were able to really start kind of plunging forward, which is what helped us move as fast as we did, even though <laughs> we were late on the release. Uh, comparatively speaking, with the amount of work that was done, it was relatively quick. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, no. Yeah, that answers the question. So, so you said 2.6. And now, now 2.7 has come out with has a lot, and this is maybe sort of a rabbit trail, but 2.7 basically had a lot of the 3.0 stuff that boarded into 2.6. Did that impact you guys at all? Did you make any changes based on that? I think once that occurred, we had already been past that point. And I think that Kale may have spent a little bit of time looking into how we could potentially use that it's been it's been a while but but we just didn't have the manpower it would have essentially split him off into doing that while we had about two other people total that's with me working on the main 3.0 so we just really couldn't we couldn't afford the bandwidth over there let, right. let me ask you this oh let me interject steve for a yeah, second go ahead. Um, you mentioned so i'm a part of the amplify team we have an open source product and i was working on some open source view. And it was interesting kind of going back to the history of Vutify and how you guys kind of getting into a little bit how the sausage is made here a little bit. But I mean, you, you said you were using render functions for Vutify too. Mm -hmm. And so what made you change that path for Vutify 3 and go with JSX or TSX? instead was that a, and and how i just looking at how difficult render functions are for the average person i'm like wow i would have gone with i guess back when you write beautify 2 like jsx wasn't as popular as it is today but what was that kind of thought process there well in version 2 uh the typescript support especially tsx was very green wasn't in great condition so we never ended up utilizing it uh, specifically because like I said, we were in render functions. And the reason why we were in render functions is because when we were developing those parts of the framework in early version two, the ability to define a template as a, as a 
functional component was not possible. Later on, this was added and the support was there, but there was no point in converting over. So when we went to version three, so one of the things that did make the process somewhat uniform to convert over was that we used mix-ins in version two, which is what version three was meant, you know, trying to get away from, even in the view ecosystems. And so those mix-ins themselves were in essence, little composables. They were just done differently. Well, when we were working in version three, everything initially was using render functions, which can be difficult mentally because you don't have something, I think we're all kind of used to looking at templates. It's almost like a visual reference for our brains to, 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 to be able to reason about the code. So when you take that out and everything, essentially every element is a function, and then you're working to try to figure out how to composite those functions in a way that works. You know, that's version two. That's what we were starting with version three. It was very difficult. And one of the things that kind of plagued us in version two was the complexity of how we implemented the framework afforded us a lot of benefits, but it also made it difficult to get uh, contributions. So, and, and that was something that we were really looking in towards for version two, is we need to have something that is more accessible for people to contribute so that we can you know, get more help. And that eventually led to is when Kale was, this is all Kale's genius right here, but he figured out a way to you know, create some of our baseline types and then connect the different uh, systems of TypeScript and React JSX. I'm not extremely keen on it, so I probably sound like an idiot. But <laughs> what it did, though, what it, what it enables to do is, is to take our, our, our kind of core baseline of the framework that was, for all intents and purposes, kind of in these composition functions, but then add a visual aspect to it so that it was visually, mentally, was able, was easier to implement things, and especially even for the team being able to work in that because we understand how these internal parts played, but being able to now have a visual reference for it, we could get help. It was actually easier for us, believe it or not, to work in it. And it's kind of one of the things that super kickstarted us being able to move forward is we got you know, we got this awesome piece of dev tech in, installed. And now things that we couldn't really conceptualize, how are we going to implement this, became more visual. And I think once we saw how efficient the team was working with it, we decided, you know, this is definitely the way to continue going. Uh, yeah, that, that makes complete sense. And I also noticed that you moved to Cyprus and just writing JSX in your tests too. Yeah, that's some, that's some next level stuff. That's Albert and, and Kale have got those specific aspects in there. Cypress definitely is new for the framework, which is what we're trying to help with version three to cut down on regressions. But being able to have it implemented in the same way that we implement our templates has definitely enabled us to kind of streamline our, our development process because it's looking at things only one way. So it's definitely been very helpful. And so you don't have any, are these Cypress tests all end-to-end -end tests? Are they unit tests as well in there? So probably 80% plus of our unit tests are Cypress. They have to do with components. We do have regular Jest specification tests, and these are correlated to the composables, right? So if you go, if you look at our, we have, I don't know, let's just say 30 different composables that do things ranging from elevation to variant. And each of those composables, if they, especially if they have like auxiliary functions that they use, will then have its own corresponding test file that only corresponds to the functionality in that composable. So that if that works good, then if there's an issue in another component with a visual regression, then it's probably how that component implemented it. 
especially if that thing changed in the composable. And I had just one, maybe one more question on this, on just kind of looking at the source code. Just selfishly, I'm going to ask, like, is there any learnings that you had that you can think of off the top of your head uh, maintaining an open source View 3 project um, that would be helpful for other people who may want to create open source projects in the future? I mean, nothing at this level. So the, it's too big and it's hard to it's hard to convey most most open source developers that'll get into a project, the majority of them that are gonna get into open source community are smaller projects. So even if they're the same amount of we'll say popularity downloads and whatnot, it's a completely different world of conveyance from people. I would say just if there's anything that would just span across all aspects of it is be patient and surround yourself by smart people and listen to them. No, oh, that's, that's good. So speaking of, of your team, you've mentioned, I think, Kale, you said, was one developer. Just so everybody knows the resources that you have for working on this, how many people do you have, I guess, working for you full-time? And then at least in the Vuetify 3.0 release, how much did you take from open source contributors, you know, people that were just contributing to help out? So Vuetify itself, we, we don't have any, like, hired devs. Uh, everyone that contributes is doing so at, with you know, open source in mind. With that being said, one of our funding paths, which is Open Collective, is used specifically to pay our devs that we have that if they, so, sh- so should they want to be compensated, which is pretty much just Kale, who does this full time. But as far as everyone else besides Kale, they they do it specifically on, you know, whenever they want to, and there's no like payment involved. So it's, it's, it's an interesting loose relationship where I have people that I kind of guide and direct, but I'm not anyone's boss. So that's where the whole humbling thing comes in there because you can't yell at someone or demand someone do something that's open source related, especially when they're not getting paid for it and they have no stake in it. So you know, there's it's an interesting dynamic, but if I were to say in total, the type of manpower that we have is maybe three devs total across the entire ecosystem. And when I say total, I mean, we have like six or seven, but the ability to contribute kind of wax and wanes over the years. So, you know, sometimes people can contribute more and sometimes others can't. So on average, it's about three developers. And your your last, last part, you mentioned about what we took from the uh, the open source community as far as contributions, definitely towards the latter part of beta, taking a lot more contributions. Earlier on is difficult because in a lot of cases, we hadn't even determined the process that we wanted to do for something. You know, like we, we create, like whenever you're creating variables and everyone says it's like the hardest thing to do is name them, right? So we kind of have to do this on a, with functions and properties and, and concepts and stuff, we kind of have to sit down and come up with them ourselves. So a lot of times we can't accept help on something that we're not even sure what the final product is going to be. And there are ways to make that easier, right? You know, with RFCs and whatnot, but we don't have the resources to be able to, if we did stuff like that, right, you know, we would have never been done with version three because of how massive it is. It's like 150,000 lines of code, all brand new. So yeah, now now that we've released, you know, we're definitely taking a lot. We have lots of pull requests, and we're taking a lot more people in. But up until the past, let's say, month or so, that was pretty sparse. Right. Yeah, it's hard to contribute when you don't know what you're contributing or how you're going to yeah. contribute or have a roadmap mm-hmm. or something for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, you mentioned the part about naming variables, and the old adage I fall back to is the two hardest things in computer science are cache invalidation, naming things, and off by one errors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that's for sure. 
So, so what you're saying is basically once you had definition and once you knew where you were going, then, then that's when people started to jump in and contribute more. Yeah. Most of the time, especially during the version three, most, uh, the, the people that were consistent contributors, we had kind of established that from our community first, you know, we were working with these people directly. It wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot of people that just kind of saw the framework, wanted to contribute, and then just started writing some code. We done a pretty good job of directing people on how to be part of that. And most of the time when people did contribute, it's because we were kind of working with them one-on-one. And then after we kind of established that, okay, this is what variance is going to be. And these are the names that we're going to use. And this is the process. And even though we haven't written a, a contribution guide, we can still teach people about that, that are wanting to help. And then kind of as that baseline of knowledge has been disseminated to people in the, in the server, you know, other people see that and then they kind of start working on and, you know, we're in the process of putting together an actual guide that shows people, you know, the best ways to contribute for version three. But yeah, most of it has started specifically like in the community. Yeah, I think the correct term for that is uh, herding cats, unless I'm mistaken. (laughs) Right. So from a technical standpoint, there was the questions that Eric had asked you. I'm curious to see about the testing. Uh, You talked about how you implemented Cypress. So Cypress is similar to Dusk, which is what I use on a day-to-day basis, sort of your end-to-end browser type testing. Was Did you not have that type of testing in place previously to 3.0 or you did, but it was just different or, or what testing did you have in place? So we always had uh, spec testing, which covered about 90% of the framework. We, for a period of time, experimented with Storybook. And I can't remember if that was going to, and I think that was going to be the base basis for E2E testing in version two. But when that came to be, it was around the time of starting to you know, move resources over to version three. Uh, but we had always intended and wanted to do Cypress. It became easier with version three, I believe, with the correlation of view and how we implement it. But most of that was kind of spearheaded by Albert, he, I think he was working with a lot of unit tests at his work, and he's been kind of the head guy in that area. And then Kale, from a technical standpoint, setting up all of the you know ins and outs. But up until version three, it's been all spec testing, which has led to some definitely interesting regressions. And we're, we've noticed so far that it's been very helpful. It's been very useful and definitely makes it a little more safe for us to make changes and not worry about, you know, if we do make a regression, then now we can cover it visually instead of just with something that's sitting on Jest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Jest, just to to clarify, is more of your unit testing, code testing behind the scenes, just mm-hmm. from running code functions themselves versus browser testing where you can actually see what's going on when it clicks and hits Correct. buttons and submits forms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they're two very different things and they're complementary for sure. So like if you had, for a good example would be we have an elevation composition function and it's its whole job is that you provide it with an elevation and then it provides you back with a with a class right that's its whole job so we would just unit te- or you know create a just specification test for that that has an input and an expected output and then a component like vcard that maybe implements that and has a hover prop that whenever you hover over it it changes the elevation from one thing to another that's the e2e test to make sure that it looks the way that it's supposed to look and then the composition function we already expect to work because of its specification test. Exactly. Yeah, it's you know I think I think that like the things have just changed a lot in the last like three or four years. You know, 
since uh, Beautify 2, like, I think the whole, you know, everybody's moved over to TypeScript. I think it's definitely standard everywhere, mm -hmm. has been for a little bit. And then Cypress has become more and more popular. So, you know, I think those were great additions to, to Beautify 3, just in the building standpoint. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but I'd love to hear, like, the process from going from, like, Vue 2 to Vue 3, I know, or excuse me, Vutify 2 to Vutify 3 and, and also going major version bump from Vue 2 to Vue 3. Mm -hmm. uh, there was definitely some things that you guys couldn't get into to Vutify 3. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the decisions of some of those more complicated components that I think I hear that are going to be, be in 3.1 Vutify and that you're holding off on the 3.0 release that you just did? So, sure. So I'll touch on that. Well, to, to kind of touch on the last point first some of the larger components like data tables and calendars are are going to be moving to we're we're creating a new process called labs and the idea is that you know primarily right now it will be for com large components from version two to version three but in essence what it's meant to be is that we have this large piece of functionality this component is extremely complex or has this lot of functionality and we have to cover a lot of areas but this component is in a state that can be used, but it's not in a state that's 100% feature parity with the previous version. So that's something that we're doing aside from version 3.1 to hopefully get fingers crossed, but like this year, some components in the labs where people can use those components now because they're in a state of being able to be used, but not to where we've released it as part of the core framework. So what is, is labs like another package or is well, it- what, It'll be another package inside of uh, Vutify. So, oh, okay. you know, you would have your imports from Beautify. And then if you had, um, we're still kind of working out all of the specific details, but let's just say data table, you would be able to, you know, once we have it released, you would be able to pull data table from the labs and it would be a separate implemented package that you would add into Beautify that you would be able to use these before they were considered 100% feature parity with version two. So that was the, so, and then, so that, that, that was kind of like addressing the tail end of your question. But as far as, you know, some, how we determine features and releases and pushing things back, so unfortunately, open source is very hectic in terms of the people's ability to contribute and the sustained income that comes from it. So a lot of times what I'm having to do changes quite a bit. And when that occurs, and we tr we have weekly team meetings, and we, we, we basically would always get together and try to assess. We have, we have a list of everything that's being converted to version 3. So we would get together and determine, okay, one of the big things for components to be developed is having a champion. Right. So, you know, when we have a, a, a developer that maybe is primarily works in, let's just say the date picker, right. We're kind of always, we're all working on it, but the idea is that they're the primary person behind it that drives its development and the ability for people to contribute the amount would kind of make us have to adjust the, the release of a potential component being or not being in the release about I don't know, I think at the end of last year, and then we did it again once about four months ago, kind of sat down and had to reevaluate, had to evaluate, okay, which components are left of those components, which components are we considered, um, we'll just, I'll just say complex for lack of a better word. And of those complex ones, do they have a champion? Do they have someone that is primarily working behind it? Uh, because, um, you know, there are so many things in the ecosystem that if somebody's not working on data table, Yes, I could stop and completely work 100% on data table, but then that blocks another flow. And then that's kind of the way that we've approached it up until uh, this point of saying, okay, which components are 
too much to get completed before this X and Y time? And, or is the component and not a super popular component? You know, we look at statistics and look at data of like, okay, skeleton loader got pushed, right? It's a component that a lot of people use, but it's one of the least popular ones. We weren't completely decided on the new interface that we wanted to use for it. So it got pushed. Whereas something like calendar got pushed because the person that originally developed calendar disappeared. So it can kind of, it can kind of vary depending upon, but typically it's just, it's based upon one of those two factors. Now moving forward with version 3.1, I actually did update the roadmaps on both the current and the next documentation today to accurately kind of reflect what's going on. We have about 48 tasks in version 3.1 milestone. And as it stands right now, everything that's in that is intended to either be there or be part of, um, when I say this labs, labs is just a, it'll be just a separate package in the repository, but it'll, instead of, it coming from Beautify, the labs brings in the particular component and then all the consumption by the user is done from a different package. So that way, whenever we do eventually release these components and put them onto the main package, it's going to be a much smoother transition. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood. I'm excited because I wanted to let you know about this thing that I pulled together that I had just, I've been dying to have this for years and I never felt like I could. And then I just realized that there's no reason why I can't. So um, I'm putting together a book club and we're going to read development focused books, career books, you know, uh, technical books, whatever. The first book that we're going to do is going to be Clean Architecture by Uncle Bob Martin. If you're not familiar with Clean Code or some of the other stuff that Bob has done, check that out. I've also talked to him on the Clean Coders podcast, which is on Top End Devs. But uh, yeah, we're going to get on. He's going to show up to some of our meetings. And what I'm thinking is we'll probably have like five or six people uh, part of the conversation along with Bob and I at the same time. And we'll just, uh, so somebody can come on, they can ask their question and then we'll just ro rotate people through. So we'll we'll mute one person, unmute another person when it's their turn to come on and, and be part of the discussion. So we'll do that for like an hour, hour and a half. And then the other part of it that I'm putting together is just kind of a meet and greet gather area on Gather Town. And so after the the meetup and the call, what we'll do is we'll all go over to Gather Town and you can just log in, walk up to a group and have a conversation. And that way we can all kind of get to know each other and and make friends and, and get to know people across the world. Uh, one thing that I'm finding is that, yeah, the meetups are starting to come back, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to a meetup. And I really want to meet you guys and talk to you. So we're going to put all that together. It'll all be part of that book club. You can go to topendevs.com slash book club to be part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there. The first book club meeting will be in December, the beginning of December. We're starting the first week of December. And um, you'll also be part of the conversation about which book we do next. I have one in mind, but I want to see where everybody's at. So there you go. Yeah, and I, I just want to say, and thank you for that explanation, that would you say 99% of all, or 95% of the components in Beautify 2 are in Beautify 3? <laughs> it's just a few, like three or four really larger components. Is, is that is that an accurate statement? Yeah, I'd say the biggest ones that people most care about that are not in version three release were data tables, yep. uh, date picker, time picker, calendar, yep. maybe even in that order. And the good thing is, is that two of those are pretty much almost done. And the third one is, well, data table had some <laughs> complications because we spent a while trying to figure out the structure we were going to use to be able to support fixed vertical and horizontal scrolling, which you know, kind of put the back. And then also the only person that was working on it was the person that was also doing a whole bunch of other stuff, Albert. <laughs> so it's 
it's one of those large ones. But there are some other small things that we haven't added. Like I said, skeleton loader. And if that happens, it's usually because of, like I said, either we haven't come to terms on an interface or we don't have someone that can get behind it. But everything that most people are going to need to use an application minus data tables is in version three. And we have a lot more components and things that are ready that are going to come out, you know, in version 3.1. They just weren't finished or they didn't make the cutoff. Like they may have even been finished before 3.0 released, but they didn't make the cutoff to go in it so that we didn't have to account for it. Does that make sense? So, okay. So I'm looking at the documentation pages right now and I'm comparing the 2.6 version with the the only thing I see available in the dropdown is 3.1 alpha. And there's a lot of things I don't see listed in the 3.1 alpha docs that are in the viewpoint two. Is that just because documentation's not up to date? You'd have to let me see where that's at. Are you on nextbeautifyjs.com or just beautifyjs.com? Next.beautifyjs.com. <laughs> okay, so yeah. So the next documentation does have a few things that are, are is missing some things from the regular documentation. Uh, okay. it's, it's currently in the process of being updated the for the most part all the content is there but there are some things like that uh, drop down that weren't put back in yet that was probably just like forgot about it or missed it i know it was implemented originally because we didn't have menus <laughs> complete at the time and i guess <laughs> someone just didn't go back there and add it yet so okay so just to clarify the next.beautify.js is the correct place to go for the 3.x uh, yes. documentation mm-hmm. and if you go to the main site It'll have a, it has a big banner at the top that says, hey, if you want to check out the new version, and you can click on a button. Oh, yeah. Start exploring Beautify 3. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this has been a long time coming in. Would you say, I know technically when Beautify, before it did the major release bump, and it was in, I don't know, beta or alpha status, mm-hmm. there were production, there were companies using in production, correct? That even though technically you weren't recommending it at the time, as of now, you are recommending it to use in production. So it's been mm-hmm. a, it's had a lot of use and wear and tear. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's had quite a bit. <laughs> yes, we will always say don't use alpha software in production because that's what you're supposed to say, but people are going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> and I was building applications with it as well. And I'd say that from my point of view, it has been very well received in terms of just working right out of the box and people being confident of having it in a production environment. Things like the Beautify store are running on the new version, right? So we had some skin in the game. So if it's not working right, it's breaking, you know? <laughs> so, but yeah, we've worked with plenty of companies that have already implemented or started to implement uh, version three in some capacity. And it's been great results all around. I think the term there is you're eating your own dog food, correct? There you, yeah. Microsoft, <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and you guys have been offering just forever, like business enterprise support is like paid options. Kind of. We've only recently... St- so the enterprise is something that I have up there now, something I implemented after my my trip to Toronto because people were basically saying... Because we had the ability... Well, it was always been up there, the ability to schedule support. But everyone was saying that it's not obvious where to find it. So actually what is up there now under the enterprise new is something that we put together as just more direct, like, hey, you can you can get support from us, which is which is the logical step forward to to maintain some sort of revenue income. And uh, we're really excited about it's 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 more than just we have regular support. We have a, a couple different things we've been putting into place, like different application review processes and stuff like that, so we can work with companies to get them the best out of their application. 
Yes, we, we've we've had support in some capacity, but it's never really been, honestly, never been really utilized that much. So we just always had to do a better job of getting it in front of the people. That's kind of my fault. I'm a, <laughs> a reluctant, I'm re- I've always been really reluctant to get into those particular avenues of income because I always made it, I always felt like people would think that, well, this is not at the heart or essence of open source. But I figure after five, six years, uh, Vutify has done, done good, you know, done done good to the world. So we're going to try to see if we can, you know, increase our capabilities, you know, with getting some some higher incomes and whatnot. Well, you got to make money somehow. To me, that seems the logical logical avenue is to provide paid support. Yeah. If, if anything, I mean, enterprises. I mean, it, it's a bane of the open source community, and it's commented on frequently that you'll get large corporations, large businesses who are using mm-hmm. open source and making tons of money, and they don't contribute anything back. You know, they don't donate, they don't do anything, they don't d- donate development time, and there are mm-hmm. some that do. But to me, it seems logical that hey, there's a great way to get some money back to support what you're doing is is provide mm-hmm. that that level of enterprise support. It you know pays for itself basically. That's the way we look at it. It's like protecting your investment, right? So if, if your business depends on Beautify, then it would make sense for you know you to ensure that Beautify has the resources to be maintained. So that kind of leads me to the next question then. So we know that Vue 2 is, is I think it's going to, it's fair to say, I think they've announced it's going away eventually. It's going to be sunset. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and does that mean then Beautify 2 will be lockstep with Vue 2? And how will that work for long-term support? And are you encouraging everybody to upgrade from Beautify? Well, obviously, if they go to View 3, they have to. Mm-hmm. What do you th- what's your thoughts on all that? Well, I think it may not always be the case, but in terms of View 2 sunsetting, we'll probably be somewhat in lockstep. The, the current, our current process is looking towards 3.1 in quarter one of next year. And then once we release 3.1, we would spend a development cycle um, preparing 2.7 for long-term uh, support. And now I don't know what Vue offers in terms of long-term support. I know that we're going to do between 18 to 24 months, I think, with version 2.7. And for there's there's definitely some companies or businesses where upgrading really isn't going to be an option. And not necessarily even because of Vutify, because there's just a process for upgrading to Vue 3 in general, which really kind of makes that a larger hurdle. Version 2.6 and ultimately version 2.7 is a solid piece of software. I mean, you could get, it it would be useful with no more support for years to come if you really wanted to. It's been tried and true. So I do imagine that after 2.7, though, we will definitely continue, obviously, our long-term support. But the, the idea is hopefully that we'll have enough resources to where I can have someone dedicated on it and not have to take all of mine or all of Kale's time. But I think that, yeah, I think that's what we're looking for right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming, like, I think the ecosystem in general, I think it's been speeding up and more people are upgrading to Vue 3 all the time. But I would assume that there's just still the majority or maybe a slight minority uh, people are still using Vutify 2, still using Vue 2. They haven't upgraded yet. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, that's the case at my, you know, for my day job. We have a huge, huge view app, you know, hundreds of components and upgrading to view three is going to be no small task. Now, it will be easier with the view 2.7 release and that you can implement composition API and some of the mm-hmm. three features while you're still on two. And therefore, when you do throw the switch and go to three, then it's going to be a much smaller task. So my mm-hmm. guess is that's why they did that in 2.7. But but yeah, I, 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 it's true with any big you know release like this, any CMS, any system that when you have things, a version that's been around for so long, there's so much built with it. 
mm-hmm. that it's going to take time to to get everything upgraded. And you can't really, it's difficult from the open source perspective to say, okay, no more LTS. That one's not supported anymore. And mm-hmm. everybody's still on it. They're going, what about this? You know, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe you just do bug fixes and stuff like that. And not, you're certainly not going to enhance an, an older version anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe just enough for bug fixes is as needed. Mm-hmm. I think most, I think the only things that are getting backported to version two anything are, or for version three are going to probably be simplistic implementations, maybe classes and whatnot, class changes. We, for example, we changed classes in version three. So in version two, six, we kind of stopped gap that and, and made some conversions to where people, um, we have an ESLint plugin that makes upgrading a lot easier than without and where it kind of automatically goes in there and takes the different names or different names of classes and converts them for you. We did this for version 2.6, we're doing it for version 3 and hoping that it will alleviate some of that pain because large applications definitely can be, it could be very cumbersome <laughs> trying to upgrade. And that's another reason why we have the support, at least open up that aspect, because, you know, I've been working in this, Kale's been working in this so deep for so long. We're very comfortable in knowing how things have to be, how to upgrade different aspects of an application from view two to view three, done probably 50 applications so far. So yeah, it's definitely a process and we're constantly improving our tooling to try to make that easier. Just depends upon the size of the project. Is there a migration guide on your docs? I'm no, there somewhere. Okay. very, very small one. <laughs> yeah. So this is another one of those things. I, you know, I we had someone that was helping with um, writing this guide because it is very massive, and they went MIA. And doesn't mean it still doesn't need to be written, but it's like it's a it's a triage kind of thing. So when you only have so many firefighters, you got to pick your fires wisely. Um, and while an upgrade guide is obviously important, our stopgap was, well, we have this ESLint plugin that gets us most of the way there. Focus the effort on this instead of, you know, it's how many releases we had, how many commits, like I think 1,100 commits. It's just a lot to go through, even with automated tooling that we have. So that's kind of what happened with that in that process. We do have one that's kind of actively being developed somewhat in our pull request. But again, you know, the people that we were working with got busy or something happened and that's just life. No, that that's completely understandable. I mean, it hopefully shouldn't be like with your ESLint plugin. And I mean, if you're upgrading a large app from view two to view three, it's going to be difficult. I think, I think, I think I've never heard someone say, oh, it was simple. But I, it's, I think you're just gonna have to take the time to move things around and, and figure out how, mm-hmm. how to do it. And, and using that plugin definitely sounds like it would help. And there's a Discord and there's a whole bunch of other, I see your, your support is a whole, uh, is pretty long. I'm sure there's other questions people have answered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, stuff. Discord recently, well, not recently, I guess maybe it's six months or so now, uh, introduced threads, kind of like what Slack yes. has. Yes. Which has massively improved the ability to help people because you can contain things in a thread. And we definitely have a very very active uh, community uh, full of people helping with support and whatnot. So that is always going to be there uh, for sure. And, you know, for the people that need more, we'll have that as well too. But yeah, upgrading application from version two to version three is going to be a chore no matter what framework you have. So yeah, that's the point. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Side note, you mentioned discords and threads. Uh, I have, I'm looking at my discord and I have like 10 different open source communities (laughs) That I'm in anything from Astro to Tailwind to Laravel to Inertia, whatever. And one of the interesting things 
I've seen implemented in there is that when you go into a, one of the support channels and you create, you know, you ask a question, it creates like a ticket and everything mm-hmm. is encapsulated within that ticket. When somebody answers you is within that ticket, but it's, it, you basically have a form at the top that says, oh, create ticket, put in a title, put in a description, mm-hmm. and it adds it as a separate item that's siloed from, you know, from the main discussion. So that yeah. feature is, is really nice. That's pretty cool. For, for sure. So with the, with the move to the composition API, the debate whether that's better or worse always rages on and the, you know people are coming to accept it for the most part. Did that enable you to do anything easier with Beautify, maybe allow you to add some features or some components that you weren't able to do with the previous structure at all? Or was it just a matter of rewriting Beautify to provide the same functionality with the new underlying paradigm? I'd say about 80-20. So about 80% of it was not one-to-one, but the, the process of implementation was very similar. Um, comp- even when we used mix-ins, things were put together compositionally. The other 20%, though, we were offered some new tooling in view that made things possible that weren't possible before. Some things like uh, teleporters. We used to have to manually move elements throughout the DOM. Now Vue has built-in functionality for that. Another one would be suspense, yes. which isn't released fully yet. Uh, that's still there. And we're kind of gated by some SSR issues until that's released. But, you know, the ability to suspend all elements from rendering until X condition is met. And then this is particularly important with our layout system. So that offers some new capabilities. The The way that provides and injects happen in version three, which are, which providing inject systems in, existed in version two, but they were not as prominent as they are. I mean, we even used some of them in version two, but for version three, they're the, the primary way of communicating information down. That's how we do, we have global properties. We have uh, global layout systems and language systems and all these things are using the default view provide inject system that has been expanded. It's using symbols now. That's enabled a lot of benefits from us. Being able to, Kale being able to set up the, the, the TSX is pretty awesome because it allows us to get some of the compilation benefits that they may put inside of the, I don't actually remember the exact tools that are compiling it now, but there are benefits with the, I think it's maybe the view loader, I forget what it's called, that they optimize in the compiler that you really only get if you use templates. So, you know, being able to have better support for TypeScript to allow us to move to something like using regular templates, we've had some benefit there as far as performance goes. And other than that, you know, some of the caveats for objects and arrays that existed in version two for reactivity, um, you know, we worked around it just fine in version two, but what it allowed us to do in version three is just write things cleaner and more straightforward, avoiding so many, you know, odds and end use cases. But I'd say those are probably some of the biggest ones that I could speak to. Yeah, just so so just to define some things for the uninitiated or those who aren't familiar with it, teleport and suspense were a couple of really nice additions. So teleport, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, but it, it makes it's a very easy way to allow you to move things within the DOM in your component where if you have, you know, if it's being rendered in the DOM at some particular place and you want to move it up to the header for mm-hmm. some reason. It's a built-in uh, functionality in Vue 3 that allows you to do that. Did I get that right? That's correct. Right. And then suspense, boy, let's talk about one of the pains in the rear with Vue 2 is anytime, you know, let's say you're loading a page and it takes time to load, you know, because it's asynchronous 
And so you don't want your user to be wondering, what the heck's going on? Why isn't this responding? Hitting click, click. And so you throw up a mm -hmm. GIF. Or is it GIF? I won't get into that debate. You know, of a rotating wheel or something, a busy, something to show that it's busy. And then, mm -hmm. you know, once your data is loaded, then you update a value, a variable, and you get rid of the of the image. Now, you just basically can, you know, can have two chunks in a suspense element that says, okay, here's what you do, here's what you show when it's loading, and then here's what you do when it's done. Mm -hmm. So it really simplified some of those boilerplate type uh, of headaches. Yeah, those are, I'm sure as, as being on the cutting edge and, and doing this, you're you're looking for every single API that Vue 3 now offers and seeing if it, it can benefit you and in, in your, what you're doing, I'm guessing. So all these features are, are probably pretty helpful. Even ones that are API-based on the browser. So we only support evergreen browsers now. Uh, there's no more Internet Explorer support, which has also allowed us to do things like support Grid and use some of the new... Oh. Um, API, uh, browser APIs that are available. I know we haven't implemented all the ones we want to use yet, but yeah, the team is constantly looking for what is on the bleeding edge so that that can help us solve a problem. Usually something to do with like dates or, <laughs> you know, suspense with asynchronous actions, but yeah, anything so, that we can get our hands on. So Vutify 3 supports all major browsers like two versions back? I'd want to look on here specifically what Kale put because he's a, uh, he's, he's, He's the one that designates a lot of that. Well, I say I'd like to support these browsers, and he figures out the technicalities of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. Well, yeah, but no, no, no specifically defined. But yeah, you know, Chromium, Firefox, Safari are all supported, and then Safari three point thirteen point one does require a polyfill. Other than that, no, that yeah, it's awesome. All the work you guys had done, it, it's it's great to see this out and and how far it's come, and you guys are still doing amazing updates to it. I, I did have a question. I know our our friends at Nuxt at Nuxt 3 came out like mm -hmm. earlier this year. I think a lot of people, at least I, I just did a video on on my channel on on uh, on Beautify and, and a couple of comments were like, cool, let's let's see this with Nuxt. What is your relationship with Nuxt? Is is Beautify 3 completely Nuxt compatible? I mean what do you what do you think about that? Well like I said I said I've met the Chopin brothers um, and they're great people. And you know I'll more power to them in their um, your open source framework. I don't use Nuxt, and this kind of goes into the whole, you know, limited time aspect. So because I don't use it, I'm not kind of in, embroidered into that community. In version two, there was a separate community Nuxt plugin that someone else maintained that was separate from us. I can tell you that there are people that use Nuxt with version three, Nuxt three with Beautify three. I because I see them talk about it in our Discord channels. But we haven't reached a spot where we are going to release a specific guide or stating one way or the other until, you know, we sat down and we're comfortable as a team for people that are actually using it. Because, like I said, I'm not using it, so I'm not, I, I don't even know, I don't even know what Nuxt is for besides SSR stuff. That's how long it's been since I've even delved in it. I know it's important to support Nuxt because a lot of people use it. But the way that we develop everything supports baseline view SSR. So, you know, I can't imagine we would have too many issues that would stem past just implementation headaches and whatnot. Yeah, I get it. I, I think, like, I remember with, with at least version two, Nuxt and Vutify went together like peanut butter and jelly, you know, it, it just worked really <laughs> great and everybody loved it. And I think a lot of people like getting working with Nuxt 3. And I'm, it sounds like people are getting working, um, but I know it's still really new and you guys are focusing on making sure everything is, 
stable and get the new features out. I mean, once we say, hey, we once we put Nuxt on the installation page, then we better be ready to answer questions about it and be <laughs> able to understand that this is a bet. So, you know, that's also part of the reason for some content that's missing on the new documentation because there are just a couple unknowns that we're just, you know, trying to get to on the stack. So uh, you've mentioned some of the other people that help you on Beautify. I think it should be noticed that if I'm, unless I'm incorrect, it's a sort of a family affair for you because I see Heather Leader as her name yeah. in the Discord, correct? Now, it, in past, when we've interviewed in the past, I think at the time she was your fiance. Mm-hmm. I'm wrong, and, and so now potentially, you're she's my wife now though. Yep, yep, <laughs> that's right. So, so what is uh, what's Heather's role in the Beautify ecosystem? Well everything behind the scenes (laughs) and also everything that I don't end up doing or want to do. Mm -hmm. She ends up taking, for example, we're going to Amsterdam in February. So, you know, she, she does all of the logistics for, you know, setting up planes and hotels and working with the event coordinators to, you know, uh, make sure that, you know, where we are, where we're at when they need us to be uh, everything to do with, you know, working with, we have vendors that sell in our store, everything, uh, you know, I'm in an office and this is actually a new office that I'm in. She, you know, makes sure that we have the things to keep moving. And uh, she's also started recently doing a lot of the social media and marketing and whatnot after we've, as we've released version three, but yeah, everything behind the scenes that's not to do with coding and she does coding too, but she, if it has to do with the business, she's probably taking care of it. Awesome. It sounds like a, she keeps the wheels turning, huh? Keeps everything greased and moving. She just sends me out there to go, she's go, go find some sponsors or go, go woo some people. You know, she just kicks me out the door <laughs> and then I just come home and say, here's what I found. And then she takes it and puts it back into the machine. So awesome. So it looks, I'm looking at the roadmap page and it looks like it might be a little bit behind. I'm guessing just because of. Well, if you, unless you're, unless you're cached, uh-huh. I updated it today. Oh, did you? Okay. So, so I see the Titan target release of Q3 2021. Nope. You're cached. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Oh, this is what I, I just, I just yelled at Kale about this. I was like, Kale, the, the cache isn't <laughs> reloading properly. Oh, okay. So. What's for those who aren't looking at it? What's coming down the road from a roadmap standpoint for 3.0 and 3.1? You'd mentioned getting some of the other things across the line, like the data tables and the mm-hmm. data picker and that kind of stuff. Uh, so basically, sort of getting up to compatibility from a future standpoint with the previous. What's after that? So, after that, so once we reach version parity with version two, I wanted to have kind of a maintenance cycle. Um, that's going to probably occur in the middle of next year. Most of my time is being spent in the documentation right now. Kale is heading up a lot of the technical aspects of development. Um, so version 3.1 for us is kind of the uh, 3.1, which is a code name Valkyrie. Let's put all that information up today. <laughs> is going to be you know, trying to bring up some more components over to reach for parity, bug fixes and issues that we found. Even, even though it's we have a couple bugs, boy, I'll tell you, it, version two to version three, it feels seamless and and just like it feels so smooth that you know it's it's hard to believe that we don't have more issues. To be honest, we've been expecting fires and it's not been that bad. Uh, but uh, you know, with version three one shooting for quarter one of next year to try to have some new some of the other components ported over. I don't think we're gonna have any new components in three one. We may have some we've may have some new functionality that we're adding. Um, but after that, uh, version 3.2, which I think is middle middle of next year, will be around the time that we release 2.7 Nirvana, which is going to be the LTS version for version 2. And I th- I'm hoping that by version 3.2, we will have everything out of labs by then and 
be 100% feature parity uh, with version with the previous version. And then hopefully version three on will be us adding some new things. We have lots of stuff that we've wanted to do brand new for a while. So once we get caught up to that on the road for new components and new features and functionality and better development experience, things like that. Awesome. So it sounds like, yeah, you definitely got enough to keep you busy for a while, eh? Oh man, a couple of years at least. Right on. And then 4.0 comes out and well, hopefully it won't be huge, <laughs> whatever that is, right? There's, let me tell you right now, you've heard it here first. Uh, so we've rewritten the framework like three times, like three times since the beginning, we have written, rewritten it from the, so I, I wrote it in 2016. We rewrote it in 2017. We rewrote it in 2018 and 19. And then we just rewrote version three. It does not happen anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you if anything, uh, I, I'm hoping that there's no, uh, and I can't see why there would be any large dynamic changes to the way that version three is recommending people compose things, you know, with composition functions. Sure. And since everything is built on that, then we're looking like all the focus will be on improvements as opposed to massive conversion. So even 4.0, we're, we're is probably going to be more focused on developer experience stuff to make it just easier for people. But get into that another time. I found the mute button. So the Semver version of Vutify will always match Vue. So like Vue 2, Vutify 2, Vutify 3, Vue 3. I don't know. Yeah, I think up until that point, I don't know not to say that when Vue 4 comes out that we'll release Vutify 4. Do not know. But it wouldn't be done intentionally unless for some reason the star is just aligned. Oh. So Vutify 2.6 and the way that lined up with Vue and whatnot is just more of a coincidence than anything. Oh, okay. So, and the version 3 is just, well, obviously it's the, the version 3, so the major iteration. But yeah, everything else is kind of by coincidence. All right. So is there anything else about Beautify 3 that uh, we haven't discussed that you wanted to cover before we wrap up? Well, not before we wrap up, but I will say that uh, there are a ton of new features that we added that make it really address a lot of the other issues, a lot of the issues that people had with the pre previous versions of customization. Probably one of the most notable everyone to check out is global defaults. You can now configure the entire application from the root, nested uh, nested options per component. We have things like component aliasing where you can create your own custom virtual components and then apply defaults to them. And yeah, you can get started really easy. Go to tryviewify.com. Got instructions to be able to get you right in on a version three and right into some of the documentation and things to, to look out in the new version. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Before we get into picks, people want to follow what you're doing and give you money or see the hear the the pearls of wisdom that drip from your lips like water. Uh, what's the best? Where's the best places to do that? Uh, my Twitter handle is at zero skills Z at the beginning, Z at the end. Um, I'm not huge on social media, so the best place to get a hold of me would probably be our Discord server, which is community.viewtifyjs.com. And that'll give you an invite link to that. And if you're feeling real froggy, well, my email is john at beautifyjs.com. Feel free to email any questions, comments, concerns, just say hi. And if you're interested in supporting or contributing to the project, um, we have many avenues uh, for that. If you go onto the main documentation page, you'll be able to see many links where you can click to sponsor the project. And if you want to contribute, I suggest coming onto Discord and reaching out to myself or any of the other developers. We'd be happy to talk to you. Awesome. Have you ever wished that you had a group of people that were just as passionate about writing code as you are? I know I did. I did that for most of my career. I'd go to the meetups. I'd try and create other opportunities. And it was just really hard, right? The meetups, I got some of that, but they were only like once or twice a month. And it was just really hard to find that group of people that I connected with and, and really wanted to, you know, talk about code a lot, right? I mean, I love writing code. I think it's the best. 
And so I've decided to create this community and create it a, a worldwide community that we can all jump in and do it. So we're going to have two workshops every week. One of those or two of those every month are going to be Q&A calls, right, where you can get on, you can ask me or me and another expert questions. Uh, the rest of them are going to be focused on different aspects of career or programming or things like that, right? So it'll go anywhere from like deployments and containers all the way up to managing your 401k and negotiating your benefits package. Well, we'll cover all of it, okay? And then we're also going to have meetups every month for your particular technology area. So we have shows about JavaScript, React, Angular, Vue, and so on. We're going to have meetups for all of those things. I'm going to revive the freelancer show. We'll have one about that, right? So you can get started freelancing or continue freelancing if that's where you're at. And I'm working on finding authors who can actually do weekly video tutorials on something for 10 minutes that's related, to, again, to those technology areas so that you can stay current and keep growing. So if you're interested, go to topendevs.com slash sign up and you can get in right now for $39. When we're done, that price is going to go up to $75. And the $39 price gets you access to two calls per week. The The full price at $150, which is going to be $75 over the next few weeks, that price is going to get you access to all of the calls and all of the tutorials and everything else that we put out from Top End Devs along with member pricing for our remote conferences that are coming up next year. So go check it out, topendevs.com slash sign up. All right, with that, we will move to picks. Picks are the part of the show where we get to talk about other things, or we could talk about tech things if we want, movies, books, games, TV, you name it. Today, we'll start out with Eric. Eric, what do you have for us for picks? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to do a little self, a little tiny bit of self-promotion. I just started my YouTube channel uh, back up again, started uh, making videos, took a little, a couple months break. So you can find that at Program with Eric on YouTube or eric.video. If you just put that in your browser, that'll redirect to my YouTube site. Uh, but I'm also really interested in what I'm doing at work too. We're doing some really cool new, we're doing some really cool, we're calling connected components that work with React and Vue and Angular to connect to AWS services. So like we have one now that works with maps. So if you want to mm. add a map to your site, it's really easy. Just pop it on there. So I'm just going to give that a plug. It's ui.docs.amplify.aws. And you can learn all about that. So just out of your curiosity, mapping is one of those things that I've always read about and never had the time to delve into. What are you using for your mapping infrastructure? It's all on AWS. So, so AWS has, AWS has a geo. Yeah, it has a, a geo service. So you can do all your mapping through us. And so they provide your own layers and all the images and and that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. We have a whole like location service that does geofencing and and geospatial data and, and everything. And we have some some of that built into our component. Awesome. Good deal. Yeah, we've talked about that before, about all the different view components that uh they're building that allow you to hook into the, the ton of AWS services that are out there. So yeah, yeah, check it out for sure if you're a big AWS user. Was that it? Yeah, yep, yeah, that's it. All righty. So I will go next. For those of you who are regular listeners, you know that uh, I'm sort of a fan of the dad joke. I won't say how good they are. Let's just say I put them out there. So first of all, do either of you guys hear about the guy that had the irrational fear of buffets? He just couldn't help no. himself. Thank you. 
Thank you. So when I was little, my parents, you know, need soup like a lot of people do. And my parents always fed me alphabet, alphabet soup. And they said that I really liked it. But actually, they were just putting words in my mouth. And then finally, yes, Steve. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what do you call Spider-Man on a climbing wall? Peter Parkour. Yes, thank you. Thank you. All right. So with that, John, it is your turn. What do you have for us? I've been spending a lot of time in Figma. I wanted to learn or I wanted to use an app, something that was easier than Photoshop to quickly develop art assets for Beautify. And I've recently kind of dove into it. You could see in the new docs, like if you're looking at the roadmap and those video, or those little pictures at the top, those are all pictures that I've been creating in Figma. And I've been also creating the, the Beautify Figma UI kit in it to help supplement those images. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I've been, it's been one of my uh, pain points over my career, the, my inability to be able to design things. So I've been enjoying diving in as of late. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, I've talked about before how I am the least creative design type person ever. And it's the bane of my existence, too. And just creating simple logos or images or something like that is a skill I haven't had. So you found Figma pretty easy to learn even for a design challenged person? Yeah, it's uh, one of those applications or one of those uh, products where everything just kind of works things that you just do that you wouldn't expect. You're just like, oh, I think this should work. And it just kind of works. And everything just feels really intuitive. And uh, yeah, I've just had a really good experience with it. Yeah, it's been interesting with all the hubbub around Figma since they got bought for, was it $20 billion by Adobe? And within the past month or so as of this recording. Uh, mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people are saying, oh man, Adobe's going to take it over and it's going to go downhill just like other things Adobe's taken over. So that remains to be seen, but I'm sure for now it's still just as good as it always has always has been. Yeah, I can imagine they take features away from it, so hopefully not. But you know, been wrong before. But for now, it's working out great. Good. Yeah, Figma is it Figma.com? I can't remember the. If you or just Google Figma. it, I'm sure yeah. you'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll throw it. Yeah, it's Figma.com. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll uh, check that out. One of those rare five-letter domains for sure. So, all right, with that, we will wrap it up. Thank you to Eric for coming back and guest hosting with me. It's always nice to have somebody on the panel with me. Thank you to John for coming for the third time to talk about 3.0. No coincidence there. And yeah, we will talk at you next time. Thank you very much. It's nice talking to you all. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.